lock your doors, turn up the radio, strap yourself in. Because it's time for the Matt Wyatt Show. The guy who's the color commentator for Mississippi State football and SEC baseball. So, yeah, he brings a lot to the game. And he's right here. Right now. Hey, I think I'm ready. I mean, I might as well be. I'm as ready as I'm going to be. The show is starting whether I'm ready or not. Right, Bill? Like, you're not waiting on me, are you? No, sir. The music has begun, meaning it's time to roll. Let's roll! All right, welcome into the studio, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau across the great state of Mississippi. Thanks for tuning in, however you're listening, wherever, whenever. If you're listening live on a radio, hey to you. On the zone, if you're on demand later, maybe in Vicksburg, Batesville, other parts of the state on the radio, thanks for tuning in that way. If you're live right now, online, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, any of those live streaming platforms, hey to y'all, comments are coming in. Feel free to type in a comment. And there's going to be some guests on today's show also. So if you're watching the live stream, feel free to type in a question if you uh, want to, and I'll see it all here in one place. And finally, if you're listening on demand via podcast, anywhere you can get a podcast, just look up the Matt Wyatt Show. Lots of people have downloaded the podcast here lately over the last few months. It's really grown. Appreciate y'all tuning in that way. If it's a part of your daily routine, even when we're not live and you're out jogging around the neighborhood in the afternoon or whatever the case may be, really do appreciate you and feel free to be a part of the show in any way you can. Text me also today at Country Please and text line wide open to you. Just a quick reminder, here's the number. It's a 601 number, 885-ESPN, 601-885-ESPN. Or call me on the Divinity phone, 995-1059. Speaking of, however, the Divinity phone is tied up right now. There's somebody hanging on there that you get to hear from, and I'm glad that you do, on your radio right now. He's known as, well, on Twitter, he's Scout Steve R. He's our friend that... We lovingly, over the years, referred to as Rose Bowl. I just call him the man. Steve Robertson, on your radio right now. Hey, Steve. Happy Tuesday to you, sir. What's up? Well, I was just sitting there enjoying that nice little tune in the background. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I'd better just listen to that for a while, but uh, it's good to be with you. It's a real toe-tapper, isn't it? I mean, it really is. Bump up on the famous maroon band. You can't go wrong with them. Yeah, um, I wanted to get a chance to talk to you. The people that are right now, Steve, watching the, the live stream, uh, they can see your picture, and they see there it says, you know, your Twitter handle, and they can also see it says author dogpile, two words, D-A-W-G-P-I-L-E, author of dogpile. So you got a new book out there, huh? Like as of right now. Yeah, it came out on Friday, and uh, it's it's a long time coming. I actually finished writing back in August, and um, you know, with the you know the promises by the printer that they would have all this stuff done by Christmas, and uh, little did we know there was a national paper shortage, and uh, <laughs> it for Christmas, but we got it in time for Valentine's and for the beginning of college baseball season. So that's almost as good, but uh, yeah, happy to finally have it on the shelves and uh, get a lot of good reviews, and it, it's. Uh, you know, it's selling like a snow cone on July 4th weekend. So Okay, and so I want to ask you some about the book, and and, and I, what I don't want to do is, I guess, Steve, give it all away. We want people to buy the book and read, and, and but I, I wanted to ask kind of um, just what's the best way to you for you to describe the contents 
of the book. If I buy a dog pile, what what is it? What am I reading about? Well, the first four chapters are going to kind of set up everything that's ever happened in the history of Mississippi State baseball up until the 2021 season. Okay. You know, of course, you, know, you can't get too laborious with all that, but uh, you know, the first chapter is entitled uh, The Boys from the South. And, you know, back in those days, you know, you recruited your, your neck of the woods. You know, you didn't do a lot of national recruiting. And, you know, Mississippi State baseball was built on, on players from the state of Mississippi and some into Tennessee and Alabama. But, uh, you know, primarily it was a southern program. And uh, I wanted to make sure that all of those families were represented in this book. And, and uh, I mentioned every, every major league dog and every All-American that we ever had. And uh, I think it's important, as great as the 2021 season was, it was certainly not an overnight sensation. This mm. is something that's been, you know, over 100 years in the making. And I just did not, I could not in good conscience write a book about us celebrating a national title without honoring the great Diamond Dog and Maroons and Aggies and people like that that preceded this great group. And that takes you into hiring Ron Polk, and I had the, the honor and privilege of interviewing Polk and talking about, uh, you know, he almost didn't take the job at Mississippi State, and I didn't know that. And that was, uh, you know, we kind of pride ourselves on being know-it-alls, you and me, Matt, and all of a sudden <laughs> I learned something I didn't know that's pretty significant. And, but I interviewed John and, and John Cohen, of course, and he talked about being a player coach and an AD here, and he takes you into the hiring of Chris Lamonis, and Lamonis takes you into his hiring and then, you know, his expectations for the 21 season. Then every chapter after that is basically one week of the season. We're chronicling what happened each week of the season from the beginning of the year in Arlington, Texas, to the end of the year in Omaha, Nebraska. How about that? So comprehensive, to say the least. And, Steve, I mean, I got to tell you, you know, even something like that, if I were to look at it through the lens of, not just capturing a whole season, but a whole history leading up to a season. Even if you were trying to do it via audio or via video, that's challenge enough. But to go down and write it down word for word and then feel like you've got it, that had to be – I mean, I knew, I know you wanted to do the book. I know for somebody like you that you create that content, you get it in your gut, you know it's the right thing to do. But was there ever a point where you look at it and go, man, this, this is almost too big for one guy to do? Well, so here's the original plan was, is uh, I was actually writing a book kind of prepping called Diamond Dogs. I was going to write the definitive history of Mississippi State baseball. Hmm. And it was actually going to put it out in 2022. Last year was supposed to be my year off. And so (laughs) I had already kind of outlined some things, you know, and uh, then lo and behold, you know, State wins the national championships. You kind of got to change gears a little bit. So, you know, some of this was already – in my mind, I guess you could say, you know, about how, how I want to kind of lead the reader through the, you know, the history of Mississippi State baseball. And so we kind of got a, a Cliff Notes version of that. And I hope to circle back at some point here in the next few years and finish that book of, uh, you know, Diamond Dog Baseball History. And now we can talk about, uh, you know, having the crown jewel of the national championship. Steve Robertson on your radio right now. He's the author of Dog Pile, looking back at last year's 2021 national championship season for Mississippi State baseball. Before I go a step further, Steve, for those listening, where can they get the book? Well, it's all over the place now, thankfully, and uh, more places are picking it up now. Like uh, I've spent the morning you know, returning emails and messages from people that uh, are wanting to order the book, whether it be individuals and bookstores. But uh, 
it's all over the greater Starkville area. And now it's at Lemuria Books and Jackson and Barnes and Noble and Ridgeland and Persnickety and Madison and uh, Tupelo and, and um, Barnes and Noble and Reeds is going to have it. And then uh, Turnrow Books, of course. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, um, it's limited distribution last week and they're, they're kind of getting it out there now. And I've got people that have never carried my books before they're reaching out because they're getting requests from customers. And so, uh, we feel confident that we're actually going to sell out of the first printing before the second printing gets here, mm. which is very frustrating, but it's also kind of a good problem to have. I mean, you know, when sure. you, when you think you got a hit, you know, um, you know, it's nice that other people feel the same way. So there is probably a little bit of urgency if you want to get the first printing because, you know, they're telling us we may not get books back again until late April, early May. And so, you know, if you, you want to make sure you get one sometime here in February, March, it's probably, uh, better to make a decision sooner rather than later sure steve okay so going back to last year's championship team for you personally was there um prior to the finals in omaha was there a time a point in the season you know regular season uh, postseason regional was there a point where you genuinely felt or thought to yourself this team's going to win the whole thing. Did that ever happen, or was it only just a possibility for you? Well, all season long, even back in the preseason, I felt this was an Omaha team. And, uh, I mean, you lose Westberg and Foskey, but you return so many other pieces, and you knew the pitching was going to be there. And I don't think the pitching actually lived up to its billing, to be quite honest with you. I mean, it's like you look back in hindsight and say, wow, we kind of pieced this thing together, and what a great job Scott Foxhall did. But, I would say the moment for me when I really felt like Mississippi State was going to win is when I pulled out of my driveway on the 82 on the way to Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> it was like this calmness and this confidence came. It's like, this is going to happen. And I told everybody in my family, and uh, it's so funny how life works. You know, like when I went to the SEC tournament, you know, I packed for a week and came home with a bunch of clean clothes, you know, and and uh, I got ready to leave uh, Starkville, Mississippi. My wife told me, she goes, I don't want to see you for two weeks. And I said, you're not going to. And uh, it's just, you know, just one of those things. And I think that was kind of a collective confidence among the fan base. I think people just felt like this is our time, and, and thankfully it was. And, you know, I remember da- I love Dave Murray to death, and, you know, Dave and I have worked together for many, many years. And, you know, I remember when, uh, when we get up there, and, you know, it's like we're getting ready to play Texas in an elimination game. And he goes, oh, I think we're tempting fate by wearing the whites of 85 like we did when Gene Morgan was on the mound. And I looked at David and I said, we're about to exercise that demon, David. We're going, we're going to go win an Apple championship. And then after we lost game one against Vanderbilt, he turns to me and he goes, well, you know, number two isn't so bad. And I said, but yeah, number one is going to be that much better. And, uh, I don't, you know, I, I can't really explain why I had that confidence, but I think it was just, there was an assurance, you know, whether it be from, uh, from the good Lord Almighty or whatever, it just felt like this was the year. And thank goodness it was. Steve Robertson on your radio and Steve, y- you know, you're, confident a confident fan maybe an optimist not everybody is and so having said that if we accept that statement i noticed in omaha something different also among the fan base i've tried to talk about it since then sometimes people roll their eyes because they go well it's easy in hindsight you know you want it so naturally you're going to look at it through that lens i'm just telling you before state ever won anything getting to omaha I talked about it on the radio on the shows out there leading up to the Vanderbilt series. There was just something different 
among the fan base. There was a it was a whole different kind of confidence than I think I've felt or experienced before. And I went in 2013 and we covered it when State was getting ready to play UCLA. But it was different then. Back then it was more, hey, we got a chance. This was we're gonna win. It's not a matter of if, it's just how and how many games is it gonna take. That did, did you notice that among the greater fan base out there? Yeah, and I'm so glad you asked that question. So so Monday night, I guess well, I, I forget what days they were, but game one after we'd gotten beat by Vanderbilt and really got put on us. You know, it's like we can say, well, you know, we won the last eight innings, but, you know, they, they count nine, you know. Mm. Um, but I went over to the Blatt across the street from PD Ameritrade to, to just get something to eat. I get over there and the kitchen's actually closed and I don't drink and, there were a lot of fans that wanted to hang out and just kind of talk and I guess kind of commiserate. And, and I went upstairs and some of our students were up there and they, they listened to the show and the guy came up. He goes, Steve, I just need to hear you say it. Are we going to win this thing? And I said, man, we're going to win. I said, we're going to win tomorrow and then we'll see what happens in game three, but I still feel like we're going to do it. And he said, so dogs in three. I said, dogs in three. The next thing I know, that whole bar is jumping up and down chanting dogs in three, dogs in three. So that wasn't just me. I mean, that's just, you know, that's the day after we just got absolutely shellacked by Vanderbilt. We're a game away from elimination and watching those guys get their third national championship. And you got 250 Mississippi State fans up there at the top of the black jumping up and down like a bunch of, you know, crazy people chanting dogs in three. And when I walked out of that place that night, I think we could have taken the field right then as fans and won the ball game. <laughs> And that's something. And, and, of course, it winds up happening and coming to fruition. So, hey, speaking of the fan experience, too, that was prior to winning the last two. Um, what are your memories of what the hotel was like after winning that championship game? Did you get a chance to swing by there and catch that scene? Yeah, well, and, and that's the thing, too, is it wasn't just there. I mean, it was like everywhere you went in Omaha, I mean, whether you went – you know, right there by the stadium or even by the team hotel. I mean, you know, the party raged long into the night. Mm. And uh, I remember hanging out with our fans until I, I think the, I put the last drunk one in an Uber and uh, and went to my hotel and I recorded a show and watched the sunrise. And I, I thought to myself, I got to get some rest before I get home. But there's just something about seeing all that. You know, I, I thought about leaving earlier. I said, well, as soon as the game's over, I'm just going to kill some of this drive. And I thought, why would I deny myself the chance to celebrate with our fans the first team national championship? Yeah. I mean, and I, I'll remember that night for the rest of my life. And, uh, yeah, and I wrote about this in the book. To, want, to me, the most endearing image of Omaha is when they, when Riley Self handed the trophy to Rafael Palmero, And Rafi, you know, hoist that thing skyward. It was almost like we had just kind of closed you know, the, the closet on some old skeletons and kind of put those things away for once and for all. Outstanding stuff. Um, I know we're kind of reliving it. Your book covers it. If you're listening, and you need to get a copy of Dogpile. Uh, just get in touch with Steve. Pretty much any bookstore around is starting to carry them, and it's available now. Steve, um, so, so one lasting image. Not one lasting image. That's not the right question. Um, one moment. In some of those games, you know, for all of us, it might be a different one. It might be the Kellum Clark home run in the last game. It might be the, um, you know, the walk off against Texas. You know, Leggett. What moment, pitch, swing of the bat, something? What stands out the most to you personally? 
from that experience last year? Well, you know, there's a couple things. You know, on, on the games themselves, I mean, I think when Bednar was struggling a little bit early in that ball game and he gets the ground ball to Forsythe and they start to double play, and Hancock makes the pick at first and he just pumps his fist like, we got him, we got him. But I would say from a more personal standpoint is uh, I was fortunate enough to have my son and, and uh, his wife and my first grandchild there. And uh, and I remember that night then I had already decided I told my wife for two weeks. I said, I'm going to make sure they're there when we when we get to the finals. Not if, but when they get there. And that last inning, because that, that kid has ridden all over the country with me, you know, watching Mississippi State play baseball and football. I thought, you know what, for this last nine, this last inning, I'm going to go be a dad. I'm not going to be a journalist. I'm going to go be with my with my kid and uh, my grandchild, my daughter-in-law, and uh, we got to hug and high five and everything when it was over. And that 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 is something that I think you have to be a long-suffering fan of Mississippi State to fully appreciate. I mean, you you know yourself. I mean, you know when you load your kids up, everybody's so excited. We're going to watch Bulldogs play, and sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But to be able to share that moment, the greatest moment of Mississippi State sports. You know, with my son and, and his family is, is something that will uh, will sustain me the rest of my life. Steve, what would be your message to this year's team, having to follow that up? Well, the first thing I would say is don't try to follow it up. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I think baseball is a game that's best played loose. I, I don't think you go out there. To, you know, football sometimes a game of aggression. I don't. I don't think you can use those same emotional muscles in baseball. I think you you got to be relaxed. And I think if they go out there trying to duplicate that and think, okay, we have to go repeat in order for the season to be a success. They're probably going to play a little bit tight. But, you know, I think that the, the bigger story in many respects is now that we've done it, we know we can. And I think that was always this ceiling. I think it, there becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like, well, if Clark and Palmero couldn't do it, why couldn't we? If that great 89 team couldn't do it, then why couldn't we? You know, and then the 2013 team, you know, they had Hunter Renfro and Adam Frazier and those guys, and they couldn't do it. So how could we? Well, now we've done it. And to be quite honest with you, and, and I have some people that want to argue with me about this, I don't think the 2021 team is Mississippi State's most talented team. But it might have been the most cohesive team. And I think that's what really matters a lot of times. We've had some great superstars that have played on some pretty good teams. But what made that team so great is that everybody contributed. And, and, that, and that's documented in the book. I mean, you go up and down. There's a different hero every night. We weren't just riding the wave of one or two players. And there were guys who stepped up in big moments that, that made plays, and, and that's what it takes to win a championship. And thankfully, Mississippi State finally found that. No doubt. Steve Robertson on your radio right now continue to tell you how to get a copy of Dogpile, the book, and um, going forward. Hey, uh, I've got a question for you from Jay in Baltimore, who's a huge Mississippi State baseball fan. He's texted me on the Country Pleasing text line. He has a question for you, Steve. He just wants to know your opinion. Do you think Landon Sims is going to stick as a Friday night starter, or would he ever go back to that closer role at some point this year? And Jay said, I just love him in that closing role. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I, that was my immediate concern. And going back to Omaha, so I see Landon Sims maybe an hour or two after it's all kind of done, and he tells me then, I'm going to be the Friday night starter next year. You know, it's like, here's some inside information and so that conversation had already taken place last year before we even won an apple championship this was a possibility and i get the concern because let's be honest 
and I wrote about this in the book, when, when you hear still the night at Duty Noble Field and you see that kid from Cumming, Georgia, come out of bullpen, the ball game's over. Over, yeah. It's just a matter of what the final score is going to be. But the game is over, and we know who's going to win, you know. Um, and so I think losing that confidence as a team and as a fan base, that's something we're going to have to get used to. But, uh, yeah, they've got a lot of depth. But, I, you know, I think I don't think this is going to be the year of the Friday night starter in the SEC. I think we had a lot of really good first night starters in the league. I don't know that we have that this year. I mean, you've got some guys that already had some injuries and there's some guys that left not to come back. I think Sims could be, you know, one of the best starting pitchers in the conference, especially on Friday night. You want your best first best. But, uh, you know, I mean, if things don't go well on the back end, I mean, yeah, they can always transition him back. But when you think about what's best for his future, too, I mean, this is a guy that probably needs to go out there and start and, and show that. But, uh, you know, when I go back, we'll go back and write the book. You know, it's like he didn't become the closer you know, for probably six weeks into the season. You know, they were still trying to work it out with Riley Self and Spencer Price. And, you know, he had the big middle relief showing at Texas. You know, we played in Arlington against the University of Texas. But he didn't full-time assume that role until much later in the season. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think we're going to be okay. I mean, the guy's a competitor. He'll figure sure. it out. He'll figure it out. Competitor, to say the least. No question about it. Hey, Steve, thanks for some time. Proud for you. Looking forward to getting my hands on the book, and I know many listening are also. So hats off to you. Thanks for doing it, and um, we'll be recapping baseball games real soon. Thank you. Can't wait, brother. See you. See you, man. Thank you. Looking forward to it also. That's Steve Robertson. Follow him on Twitter if you don't already. He's at Scout Steve R. The book is called Dogpile, D-A-W-G, two words, Dogpile. History of state baseball leading up to last year and then covering the national championship season. Just getting started with you, your text, your phone calls, your comments on the live stream, all of that coming up next. Stick around. And now the guy who's not bald. He's just taller than his hair is. Nice hair! It's the Matt Wyatt Show. Hey, 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 back with you. In the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Glad y'all enjoyed the interview to start the show with Steve Robertson. His new book is out. Um, I just saw that um, last night. And so, like, we got to talk to him and figure out, you know, um, let everybody know the book is out there. And I didn't know, honestly, prior to interviewing Steve just a minute ago, I did not know that it encompassed a lot of the history leading up to uh, last season, also in the book. He said the first four chapters, and then, of course, covering last year's team. So kind of a commemorative thing, right? I mean, you don't know when's the next time you're going to have a national championship to celebrate or a book to commemorate one, right? So <laughs> so you need to do that. Uh, and Roshana said, Steve, is always a great interview. Thanks for listening on Facebook, as always, Roshana. Appreciate you. Ginger on Facebook said, love Steve Robertson. Uh, Judy was wanting to know uh, if Steve's going to be signing books. I would just tell you, Judy, um, probably give him a follow on Twitter if you can, or if you don't have a Twitter account, find someone who does and get him to look it up at Scout Steve R. Because a lot of times he'll put out there um, when they're having book signings and and uh, that kind of thing. How about this? Uh, let's see, Sven. Got a copy, and he's over in Germany. He's already gotten a copy of it. How about that? How how'd you how'd you swing that, Sven? You got one like four everybody did over here. 
that's pretty uh pretty impressive so you know i'm not surprised i'm not surprised at all all right uh, some of your texts that came in just a little bit ago let's get to some of those now on the country pleasing text line i got the trucker country pleasing hat it's got the mesh on the back black on the front with the red hog on there it says country pleasing on the back side of the hat how about that huh get you one of those this one really fits the best Think. You know how some hats, they can all be the same, made the same. It's just one that fits right. This one just fits right. Okay. Uh, who, where are we starting off? We're starting off with Mason from Wesson. He said, I hadn't read a book in years. Don't like reading, but I'll tell you this. I'll buy this book. <laughs> You're the man. Hail State Steve. Uh, Steven said, I thought the key hit in Mississippi State's regular season was Tanner Allen's triple against Ole Miss. Yeah, I mean, that was a big moment. And help me out, Stephen, that was game one, wasn't it? Wasn't that game one on the, well, I think it was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday series. It might have been Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But but anyway, I think it was game one, though, right? Is when he had that because then Nikhazy had an unbelievable outing and just threw a gym and shut State down in game two, then State won game three to win the series. Steven then said, I'd have to go with Tanner Leggett's hit against Texas as the key hit in Omaha. I'd have to admit, after the first loss against Vanderbilt, I thought we were, I thought, here we go again. After the win on the second day, I thought there was no way that we were losing game three. Even with Rocker on the mound. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, Steven, again, like, the different emotions from different people from different perspectives looking back on it and and i realize that the beginning of this show here today on february the 8th is is primarily you know four state fans i get that um there may be some listening going hold on you know recapping something that happened last year in june yeah but listen steve's book is out wanted to talk about that and we are 10 days away from first pitch this year and, and let's be honest, the way we are supposed to approach things in life is, you know, when the new season starts, we're in on this season. We're not necessarily worried about last one and looking back to last one. We got at some point, you know, the baseball team itself, Chris Lamonis told us they stopped celebrating last year when they got their rings during football season, during a Kentucky game, football game last year. And then it was, they totally put it behind them and it's all looking ahead. As fans, we don't have to do that. We don't have to put a date on it. But here we are 10 days from this year, and any reminiscing and stuff about last year, we we got to kind of move on, at least when the season starts this year. <laughs> um, right? Supposed to, anyway. So so it's fine for us to, to look back, because that's what we're on today. But listen, Stephen, you said, okay, I thought the key hit in the regular season was Tanner Allen's triple against Ole Miss. That was a big moment for sure. You know, in the regular season and the, and all this, but you know, I could almost, I'm sure, I'm certain that going undefeated in midweek games last year was unbelievable. Undefeated in midweek games, never lost a midweek game. That's unbelievable. Talk about how it sets you up and all this kind of stuff. Okay, but one big moment regular season that's harder to remember than others. Okay, but you are not the only one that always points back to Tanner Leggett's walk-off hit against Texas. You know, that whole scenario leading up to it, right? 
You get a guy on first, you go pinch run, you put Skinner in there as a pinch runner, you run, you send him on the first pitch, he swipes second on a bad throw, and then leg it, pinch hit, and bang, singles it in the left center, and we win the ball game. And and I've even when I've tried to go back to specific moments, you know, the the Kellum Clark two-run home run to break up the no-hitter against Virginia which led to a pitching change, which led to the three-run home run by Tanner Allen, which that one could be it. The 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 bomb three-run home run by um, Kellum Clark in the um, in the third game of the championship series that made it nine to nothing. That it just started the celebration, you know. Um, and then there are other moments, but of all those different things. This one key moment, you mentioned Tanner Leggett's walk-off against Texas. When I asked Chris Lomonas about it, that's the one he talked about. That's the one he goes back to. It was that particular one. And, okay, I was a little different from you. I was still, even after State won game two to force a game three against Vanderbilt, I'm sitting there going, I mean, you get it to a game three with a chance to win. And you have to face Kumar Rocker? You kidding me? I mean, because you can do everything right and that guy beats you. And so, yeah, the first swing of the bat, first pitch of game three, the first pitch to leave Kumar Rocker's hand, Rowdy Jordan turns it around for a line drive single in the right field. And here we go. J-Rock on the text line says, the first pitch of the final game, Rowdy said, we're here to play with a line drive right. I felt confident. That right there was like the confidence boost they needed. First pitch of the ball game, bang. Jeremy, country pleasing text line, says, I was standing at the bar patio on the corner with friends across the street from right field after game two. Every single MSU fan that passed got a dogs in three and a high five, LOL. <laughs> what an awesome couple of days. Never seen or experienced anything like it, Jeremy. I mean, it was. I mean, it was unbelievable. Yes. Okay. And Jay in Baltimore texted that we now have game times for opening weekend. We do. In fact, the Mississippi State Long Beach State series, the last one among SEC teams for opening weekend to announce the game times, and we got them just a little earlier today. So, opening day Friday, February the eighteenth. Uh, first game of the year, 3 p.m. on that Friday. The Saturday game, game two, 2 p.m. And then on Sunday, game three, 1 p.m. So 3 o'clock Friday, 2 o'clock Saturday, 1 o'clock Sunday. And on the 18th, opening day for Ole Miss, they are at home hosting Charleston Southern. And their first pitch in Oxford is going to be 4 o'clock Central. So there you go. Uh... Jason and Flagstaff said, I agree with that. Without Sims coming in late, that comeback win versus Virginia probably doesn't happen in Omaha. And he hopes, and Jason said he hopes this move works out, bringing Sims out of the bullpen, out of your closer role, into a Friday night role. Certainly think it's probably what's best for him long term and draft status and everything else. But um, at this point, you got to trust Lamonis. He's made move after move, and they've all worked out, it seems like. 
Sven on YouTube says, Matt, I have to vehemently disagree. Kumar was bad in Omaha. I don't want to make him look bad, but he was the weak point of the mound for Vanderbilt in Omaha. Remember that throw to second base that he missed? Yeah, that was a big moment too, right? Throwing that ball away, move the runners up, put a run on a board early. That's from Sven. Nick says, I have no problem with us moving Sims to Friday nights, but having him come out of the pen is like the Yankees with Rivera. It's game over. Pretty sure the coach uh, that just won our first championship will figure it out, though. <laughs> That's right. And it's not, you know, again, you heard what Steve said. They've been planning on this for a long time. It's not like it's something just off the cuff. Ah, oh, well, let's do this. We don't have anybody else or anything like that. I mean, that's not it at all. Um, Earl and Madison said, come on now. State folks aren't going to be reading a book. <laughs> we might at least look at the pictures of that one. Bass Dog texted the show and said, what seems to get lost in all of the celebration and everything that is that Tanner Allen was the national player of the year. Incredible team and individual performances last year. I mean, you think about it. You had the... You had the, the MVP of the College World Series in Will Bednar, who became a first-round pick, shot up the first-round draft board. You had the National Player of the Year in Tanner Allen. You know, and, and just like we've talked about here, okay, those are things you're without. Okay, and go back to Bart Gregory's interview about Mississippi State baseball on Friday, in which he said they had talked to Pat Casey, you know, former coach, Oregon State, legendary guy, and he said... You don't defend a championship. It's over. That was last year. It's a different team. I mean, you don't, there's no such thing as defending one. You don't. <laughs> and it's just, you're starting over. And it's so true. You know, if you look at what you're without, you're without Bednar, you're without the national player of the year in Tanner Allen, who had that clutch triple against Ole Miss, who had that clutch home run uh, against Virginia. You're without Rowdy Jordan. Sims is in a different role. It's just all new. And there will be bumps in the road, and there will be times when you think it's not working. But baseball is different. It's all about playing your best in May and June, period. Set yourself up and then play your best then. Just getting started. Y'all stick around. Are you ready? Get ready for the Mississippi State Radio Analyst. And he's on your radio right now. now. You've got the Matt Wyatt Show. Howdy. <laughs> That's her, Minnie Pearl. Caleb, thanks for mentioning this. He's watching on the YouTube live stream. Former Mississippi State offensive lineman Matt Caldwell has been announced as the new head coach at Presbyterian Christian. He was the offensive coordinator at PCS last year. After retiring as the head coach at George County in the public school ranks, know Matt very well, Caleb. Yep, uh, was on a team with Matt at Mississippi State for I guess he was his last year. I think was my first year in school, so we were on the team together for one year. But in recruiting, Matt was actually the player that hosted me on recruiting visit. I uh, was in there, and he drove us around, showed us around, took us out to eat. We went over to it was either his apartment or somebody else's, and. Played video games all night long, you know, or they did anyway. I just sit around and talk and watch. And they kind of showed us around, took us out. And yeah, that's how I got to know Matt. I sent him a text when I saw the news a little bit ago, and I'm glad for him. Glad he's going to be moving up into the head coach role, and he's a heck of a coach. 
He's coached a lot of great players, too, over the years when he was at George County, for sure. So uh, happy for him. Appreciate you pointing that out. Uh, yeah, and Danny, you had a, a message earlier on the live stream, and I was going to um, and bring this up. I thought it was an interesting uh, point. Okay, so Danny said, maybe Steve should get you, Matt, to make audio versions of his books. Yeah, so who would? So if Steve ever had his book go like, uh, you know, books on tape, the, uh, what do you call them, the Kindle, Audible, you know, versions of those who should voice them over? Yeah, we could definitely do it for him. Uh, for sure. We could figure that out, huh? And then Danny also said, I'm pretty sure our fan base will overreact when we lose our first baseball game and when Landon Sims has his first bad outing. <laughs> Lots of folks threw in the towel last year, especially after the 0-2 SEC tournament run. You're exactly right, Danny. And again, you know, it helped me to hear... It helped me to hear in Bart Gregory's interview back on Friday him going back and recounting some of the struggles that State had had at different times throughout the year. Now, again, there were these shining bright spots too, obviously, some of the series wins and wins in general. And you know, you go spotless in the midweek. Those things are those things are pretty special. But not every Landon Sims outing was great. Most of them were great. Okay, but there was one or two where he got hit. Of course, and you remember Bednar didn't have a very good outing in the Super Regional against Notre Dame. And, of course, the SEC tournament experience after that, two 10-run rule games, you came home and you went, what is going on? I remember some of the talk here as our heads were just spinning. Anyway, uh, it's going to be up and down. It always is. Even for the teams that go and win, it's going to be up and down. I think approaching it pragmatically ahead of time and on the front end is a really good way to go about it. That's what I think. A couple of texts, then I'm coming over the phone. Chris texted and said, I'm getting chills listening to the recap. I, I do the same thing, Chris. I start thinking about what it was like over there um, in Omaha. I, I do the same thing. Ready Teddy said, y'all talking about that T-ball title? And then he goes, just kidding. Don't ban me from the show. <laughs> Teddy, I, it's going to be really hard for you to get banned from the show. The closest I've ever come is like two years ago, I told Squirrel that I didn't like him and to please stop texting and calling my show. But I didn't have the, and I even told him then, I don't have the power or the really want to ban anybody. Now I can suggest, but I'm not banning anybody. <laughs> You'd have to work really hard, Teddy, to get banned around here. Plus, we like you. You know, we just like you. Can't explain that. You know, there's some people in life that they pick on you all the time and they're always, you know, needling you, but you like them. Can't explain it. We like Lynn, too. Lynn calls, and he's with us right now on the Divinity phone, Divinity Equipment phone line. Hey, Lynn, what's up? How about it, Matt? Great conversation today. I love talking baseball, especially on a pretty day like we got today, right? Absolutely. Love this sunshine. Hey, look here. We all talk about the pitching, and I'm a little worried about it, but I believe we had a lot of depth last year. A lot of that depth was young, and we kind of underplay them sometimes because they weren't perfect all the time. I think pitching will be fine. Here's what I'm looking for. Here's what I, what I think we got to pay attention to. Who makes the hustle plays? 
like Tanner Allen did? Who stretches the double to a triple with the outfielders lollygagging? Who stretches the single to a double? Who takes the extra base? Who's that guy? I, I mean, that's the guy you got to have because he inspires the rest of the team. And he's how you how you take a one-game weekend to a two-game winning weekend and, and things like that, I think. I think that's an important key. And that's that's going to be the biggest thing for me going forward, I think, to see who that is. I hope it's Cameron James. I believe he can be that guy. Yeah, I, I think he can too. And, and there's probably – there are always – pieces of the puzzle that we don't talk about in a preseason you know i look at last year lynn for instance you know you could use a couple of guys at the top of the lineup as an example and rowdy jordan and tanner allen two guys who no matter how no matter what kind of streak they were on good or bad they were this steadying mentality you know in the dugout and just in the clubhouse and around the team, like when when Rowdy started slow, or if Tanner went a game or two and he didn't, you know, find green grass and didn't get a hit, you know, it's like not a big deal. We're going to be fine. You know, these these averages are going to play out. And I think this year, those guys for you this year are going to be uh, Luke Hancock and Logan Tanner. I think that's two guys who have been through the wars enough that in your lineup. Whether you're up or down, they're going to be a steadying force for you. Or at least they need to be, you know. Yeah, that's right. You got to have them guys too. Cause yep. Like you said, Roddy started slow every year, but he always hit right there at 300 by the end of it. That's he it. He knew it was coming. He knew. He knew it was coming. He never worried. Allen wasn't worried when they got 10 run rolled at the SEC championship. It's like that. You got to have them guys. But I, I am curious to see who's the. Who's the hustle guy? And everybody's always got one. And I, I just like that brand of baseball, the dirt bag guy. It's just he's he's going uh, 110 miles an hour, no matter what. I think right. it's important, and it's it's contagious. Sure, no question Hopefully. about it. Yeah, no no question and about it. Enjoying the show, man. I love talking baseball. We're gonna keep listening to you, brother. Thanks, Lynn. Be careful on that road. Thank you for calling. I'll tell you this: after um, after listening to Coach Shanks call in last year. After Tanner Leggett um, had that key hit, uh, Coach Shanks coached him, knows him, and he called in and he said, listen, I'm telling you, he said, I knew he was going to do that. Anybody who's ever been around him, coached him, knew he was going to hit that ball. You know, he was going to drive that run in. Knew there was something special and sort of gritty, scrappy about him too. And you never know that when a senior, an older player like that, will step up for you in a year when you're coming into it and we're all talking about prospects and new faces and that kind of thing. And there will be some of those steady guys. But at the same time, too, um, you know, every other team out there is doing kind of the same thing. Um, And there are lots of other teams out there, including a bunch of them on state's schedule that recruit the same kind of athletes and the same kind of classes. And... um, it's going to be a tough year. And State's got a tough schedule. They do. And even in the non-con, uh, we've talked about that, starting off with the top 25 Long Beach State. Who knows how that's going to go. Uh, those opening game week, okay, so we are, are 10 days away from opening day for SEC baseball. So Friday the 18th is when everybody will throw out first pitch. And um, I'm trying to see here. 3 o'clock Central. Yeah. Okay. So, in order, 
in terms of chronologically that day. Auburn will host Oklahoma in the opening weekend. So Butch Thompson and Auburn's going to host Oklahoma. And their Friday game to start that opening weekend is actually going to throw out first pitch at 11 a.m. Central <laughs> on Friday. On a school day, right? Uh, at 1 Central, 2 Eastern, 16th-ranked Georgia opens the season against Albany. Okay. State will host Long Beach State, 3 o'clock. Also at 3 on opening day, Alabama's hosting Xavier, three-game series. Second-ranked Arkansas opens by hosting Illinois State. Uh, unranked Kentucky will open on the road at Jacksonville State over in Alabama. Unranked South Carolina will host UNC Greensboro on the opening weekend. 4.30 Eastern, 3.30 Central on that opening Friday. 19th-ranked Tennessee will be at home in Knoxville hosting Georgia Southern. 4 o'clock Central, Ole Miss, 5th-ranked in the country in the preseason, will open with Charleston Southern, hosting them three games that weekend in Oxford. Now, this is a top-10 deal here now. 5.30 Eastern on that opening Friday. Third-ranked Vanderbilt hosting seventh-ranked Oklahoma State. So you get three versus seven in Nashville on the opening weekend. Uh, and then night games around 6, 6.30. Missouri will open on that Friday night at Nichols. LSU will open at home in Baton Rouge hosting Maine. And Texas A&M opens the season in College Station at home hosting Fordham in the opening weekend. So that's just a little bit of a look. Not a ton of rank stuff, but you do have some. 24th-ranked Long Beach State at Mississippi State, 4th-ranked for the opening weekend. Of course, like I said, 3rd-ranked Vandy hosting 7th-ranked Oklahoma State in the opening weekend. We're 10 days away from that all getting started, so it's going to be here before we knew it. All right, that'll wrap up Hour 1, Hour 2, right around the corner as well. A little baseball in that hour also, and some basketball talk too. And we'll talk with Charlie Winfield, also one of the guys from the Out of Left Field podcast. Y'all stick around. Hour two coming up.